Hey, After Buzzers, before we move on to your next topic, we just want to say thanks to our sponsor, Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Plus, there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Also, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. Plus, you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. The Jericho Network on Westwood One. X-Pac 12360, featuring weekly news, insider commentary, and interviews with superstars, past and present from the world of pro wrestling. A new day is dawning for DX. And now, your host, Sean X-Pac Wolfman. Welcome to X-Pac 12360, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your host, Sean X-Pac Wolfman. Yeah, we got a good show today. Billy Corrigan, William Patrick Corrigan on the show a little bit later on. Um, saw him this weekend. I'm trying to get him in studio, but you know he's got a lot of stuff going on, and I know what it's like to be to be that guy. And, and so I didn't want to. I didn't want to. Yeah, it was really you know, hard. Yeah, I I just want to. I just told him. I said, Billy, I just want to have you on the show. So uh, I was. I saw him this week when I saw Denise at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, that was doing a, crazy a great fun job. Day. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and then so uh, we watched we watched NWA World Champion Tim Storm defend the title against Nick Aldis, aka Magnus, mm-hmm. who was just on the show was about a month ago. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, then afterwards. We went over to uh, to the Hollywood Cemetery and watched Billy have a have a, an acoustic set that just murdered it at the Hollywood Cemetery. So, it's awesome. <laughs> <That's> a good <laughs> place to kill. <laughs> and uh, oh yeah, it was so good. Anyways, um, he's doing some cool things with NWA. I you know I told you guys I've, I've mentioned on the show what what I thought about that whole the whole thing NWA and all that and uh, just the way it was being done before. And uh, I'm kind of digging what Billy's got going on right now, so uh, I'm happy. I'm really, and he's a, just a really an, an amazing human being. Known him for a while, and uh, so it's just an honor to have him on a little while. Uh, sitting on the couch as usual, we got Jimbo. What's up, Sean? It says Jimbo in the booth on your uh, yeah, on your sh- on your. Should I change that? Yeah, because it's you should change the Jimbo on the couch. Okay. <laughs> I'll get on that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and Denise Alcedo. Hey, Hi, Denise. Bill Hanstock from uprocks.com. Upcox.rom. be those days today. It's a different website, but it's still good. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> Bill, you were in uh, Cancun for, for uh, Combate yeah. Americas. Is that yeah. how you pronounce it? Combate, yeah. yeah. It was a lot of fun. Cool. Then you, oh, oh shit! I just about spilled my coffee everywhere. That would have been great. <laughs> uh, these these mugs suck. They're so like skinny on the bottom. It's way too easy for them to spill. It's, it's all the tapers. mugs' fault. Damn, where was I now? Talk about Bill and Cancun. Oh yeah, Bill and Cancun. Yeah, yeah. Not as exciting as uh, not as exciting as I would have hoped. Oh yeah, it was, yeah. it was fun. So almost missed my flight. Oh, no. Slept through my alarm. Oh, it's 
That's forest. the worst. Yeah. Well, luckily, apparently on a Sunday in Cancun, the uh, the airport is uh, not what I would like to call busy. Yeah. Huh. Like, you could just pull up and park right in front of the terminal. It's a small airport. Yeah, it's a small so, airport. Yeah. That's but, awesome. Had anyways, it been LAX, it would have been the end. Oh, no. If it had been LAX, oh my gosh. Anyways. Left in the end. Uh, right before we were... Right before we came on air, I farted. I made sure I let everyone know. <laughs> Locked the door. Still <laughs> Dutch alive. Oven. We, the studio is, my studio is a Dutch oven right now. You see the, <laughs> the green healthy. smoke just swirling around. Thank goodness you eat healthy. Healthy people don't have stinky stuff, so it's mm, good. I don't know. Oh, boy. Uh, I've smelled going. some protein farts that are pretty yeah. awful. No, protein's a little bit different, but vegans, they don't. It's not. This is a whole other conversation, but this it's is not propaganda. It's. I'm just saying. Right. You don't kill yourself. No. <laughs> Anyways, uh, what's going on in the world of wrestling? We have wrestling news. Do we? Whoa! One, two, three, sixty. Jeff on the spot in the booth. So, another WWE superstar enters the world of MMA. So, Jack Swagger announced that he will be fighting in Bellator in 2018. Um, so, he's supposed to, he said he's been training for over eight months, and um, he says he's contracted to do six fights. Whoa, that's a huge contract. Yeah. Wait a minute. Six fights, but not six fights all in the year 2018. No, I no, hope. no. I, I okay. hope not. Yeah. I think he said he just he wants to have year. two fights in, in 2018, yeah, he right? Next year, yeah. Good stuff for Jack. I'm really happy for him and, and happy for Bellator. Uh, Jack is actually one of the guys that uh, I remember when I when Bellator was here, when Chael, Chael Sonnen fought Tito Ortiz. Anyways, I was talking to Rich Chow, who's the who's the matchmaker for Bellator. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I think Jack is one of the names that kind of came up as far as wrestlers that might, you know, sure. do well I in MMA. It's a, it's a way it – might, he may not be as big a name, although on par – but I think this is a way better sighting for Bellator than Ryback would have been. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Because Swagger's actually been in real fights. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and his was a hell of an am- hell of a collegiate yeah. wrestler. Yeah. yeah. He was an all he's all American. Yeah. Uh, I so, would say that Ryback might have more of a like infomercial presence of like, Absolutely. Oh, we're gonna buy this yeah. pay per view because we wanna see this crazy jacked up yeah. guy fight. Than Swagger did. Also, I think Ryback was legitimately like a bigger name than Jack Swagger in WWE, at least at the point where they both left the company. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably true. Even though Swagger held a world title and Ryback only ever held an Intercontinental title once, like, I feel like Ryback was a bigger star overall. Well, I think the way Ryback left also added to that. Yeah. Just like, no, I'm not showing, I'm not coming because I'm not happy. The thing about about Jack is this, like, he's badass. There's no two ways about it. And even, like, and you can tell on, on TV, but at the same time, he just always looks kind of like the old, like a lot of the all Japan, like the Japanese guys. I used to notice like Misawa, for those like, like Misawa is a legendary Japanese wrestler that's no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, Misawa, Kawada, a lot of those guys, they look like they just woke up out of bed and <laughs> and, and and their music hit and they walked to the ring. Yes. And Jack looks like that sometimes. Yeah. It's like cool comic collected. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Everyone and even the like, hair might be messed up. And they just really, the eye, like, even their face looks like they might have just woke up. <laughs> yeah, everyone who's a badass in Japan has that look. Yeah. Like Anita, Kobashi, <laughs> like, everybody. Yeah. 
Kenta. Uh, I'm really excited for him. Uh, I know he had said that he'd been wanting to do this for a while, and this is his time. You know, he's like mid 30s, I believe. It was like 34. Mm -hmm. um, so you know, this is perfect for him. I think that also the fact that he went with Bellator is even better because I know Scott Coker will go ahead and find him some really good opponents. Yeah, that's you know, right. Protect him a little bit. You know, cause, you know he's known for that, which is great because I think that will give him you know a fair shot. I and think that there's a solid chance that he ends up he like winds up in this Grand Prix they're doing next year. I, I was wondering like the because the the his announcement was right around the same time that they announced the tournament, the right? Later, so yeah. I'm thinking, I wonder if he's going to be in the tournament. I think I think something's going to because because the eight guys they have in the tournament right now are huge names, but it's going to be spread out over seven different events over the course of 2018, and one of those dudes is probably going to get injured. Or maybe mm -hmm. maybe they'll double, maybe maybe they'll maybe they'll change their mind about Sonnen fighting a heavyweight and go with Swagger instead because mm -hmm. Swagger is actually a heavyweight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm curious to see how I, Chael, or, or Chael, has, Chael's definitely not ready to go up and or have Swagger versus Shale for Swagger's first fight. Oh, because they're friends. I think that'd be a really it was good. actually. Boy, people will for people his will first fight. Yeah, but here's the thing about that: That's people crazy. will be people will be like. Automatically going like, fixes oh, it. yeah, the fix is, you know. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. True, like, I'm just saying. <laughs> imagine, imagine how what people would have been saying if Punk had won his first fight. Like, I'm just saying because they're friends, right? Sure, and they're and you know, Chael's like a you know, definitely half half yeah. step into the professional wrestling yeah, yeah, world, yeah. anyways, for sure, but uh. Uh, anyways, so what else is going on? So, a WWE superstar might be making a return. So, yeah. wow. I like you, Jeff. So, um, according to PWInsider.com, they're reporting that never, Neville never really left. So, the whole thing a couple weeks ago that we were discussing that he walked out the show and we just didn't know what was happening. Um, according to them, they said that um, he had outside projects that he was interested in and WWE wasn't kind of letting him. They were refusing to release him to do those projects, so he got frustrated and he left. According to them, he's coming back because he's still on contract and all that stuff. So, I'm very happy to know... Uh that they ironed everything out, or, or appear appears appears to be that way, anyways. Well, the the other part of this is so in the case of like Rey Mysterio and Daniel Bryan, when they got injured, yeah. there's clauses in WWE contracts that if you're injured, they can freeze their you, they can freeze the contract if they want. That's why Ray stayed an extra year past the yeah. time his contract was up. So if they're injured, they can freeze the contract. In Neville's case, he wasn't injured. He he reportedly walked out. And there was another report that came out before this PW Insider report yeah. that said that WWE was going to just keep him under contract and let the contract play out. So if that was the case, then it doesn't make any sense for Neville to just sit at home when the option of him being in WWE and on television is there. Like, if he has to play out his contract regardless of what's happening, why not be in the company? And, and unless, unless when he goes back to work, they just bury the living shit out of them. From I, I still think that from from uh, 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 trying to make money on the indies perspective, it's better to remain visible until your contract's up, regardless of they're, they're making you wear a, a baby diaper or whatever. Because people on the indies know who Pac is, yeah. but then there's the casual fan that's like, oh, I've seen this guy on TV a couple months ago or whatever, instead of I saw this guy on TV a year and a half ago. Yeah, um... I don't know, man. I I uh, I don't disagree with what you just said. By the way, I I just uh, man, it's a tough. Call it's to a make. tough it's one, tough call man. To make. Because it can be. Here's the thing, man. 
It's not always about the money you can make on the indies. It's about your sanity, Bill. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's sure. about when you get back there and they start effing with you and burying you. Yeah. You know, crazy, dude. Yeah. Yeah. When you love what you're doing, yes. So that's the kind. That's what I'm really talking about. You know, because creative satisfaction, I've said this before, it's highly underrated. Mm-hmm. Highly. It's right up there with money. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, For I, anyone I, that's really good at this, yeah. it's pretty close to as important as the money. Pretty close. So, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. So, what? up next. <laughs> <laughs> India is in for a big surprise. So it was announced. Um, Triple H went on Twitter to uh, let everybody know that uh, Jinder, Jinder Mahal and himself are going to be having uh, battling it out in a match. So they had two matches. Now it's down to one. So I kind of feel like, do you think the fact that Jinder Mahal lost his belt that would make a big difference to everything that's going on when they go back to when they go to India for their matches. It does. I, I guess it might make a, a difference just because you know uh, the Indian people might want to see their their guy carrying the t- the championship. His, has he had any? Has he has he had any matches in India as the champion? No, they oh, haven't no. been in India at all for a year or mm-hmm. more, a couple years maybe. So I was thinking that maybe he would be chasing the title over there. You know, but maybe that's not the case, right? I mean, there's still time for him to win it back on a SmackDown or something before they head to India. And here's the thing, though. At the same time, just to just to do good business in India, which they're going to do anyways, uh, um, to like to build your whole like you know WWE Championship storyline around that, just for the sake of one market, I don't think is a good idea. Yeah. yeah. When when the news came out a couple of days ago that they had reduced the two shows in India to yeah. one show, some people like were saying like, "Oh well, obviously this means that the market's not as strong as they wanted it to be." And I was mm. like, "How do you, how in the world do you yeah. make that assumption?" Trust me, that's not the case. Yeah, I, I, when, as far as India is concerned, that's not the case. Right. But see, the thing is that there's so many people in India, obviously, but apparently, from what I'm learning about about the culture is that they're not used to paying for certain stuff that we are versus like where we have to pay for certain subscriptions and all of that stuff apparently that's not like that big in India so maybe that's part of the reason why you know they could have been like you know maybe we're not going to make all the money that we thought just because you know they're not used to paying for certain things not sure it's all speculation Uh, it could be a little bit of you know everything we're talking about here um the well, thing like, is, well, is, you teach the people. You got to you got to train the people, and that okay, these things right here, okay, you pay for that. It's just that's just what you do. Like it's it's like teaching the people, <clears throat> um, you know, teaching the people that hey, you throw money in the ring after uh, after you have a good match, things and, like that. You know, I think too will make a difference too when they see, um, lack of a better word, one of them. Then you're more kind of. Yeah, your hometown hero. Yeah, now you're more like, okay, well, I don't mind paying for this. It's, it's kind of one of those things. And then you kind of see the scope of everything else that you can get with that subscription. So that yeah. would make sense. It's also, I mean, that, that's true. Like, they, the culture is different as far as, like, paying for over-the-top services and, like, what people can afford and stuff. But also, like, when Rink King yeah. uh, did did its thing, like, they they had however many tens of millions of people that watched Rink King in India. And it was like... 10 times the size of any North American wrestling audience ever. But the cost per million, like the CPM and like the value of those viewers is so, such a fraction of yeah. what the, the value of the viewers here is that 
Rinka King like wasn't profitable or or made like beyond its initial run, yeah. it didn't make sense to continue running it because like no matter how many tens of millions of people that had watching well, it, it wasn't enough. I, there's got to be more to your revenue than than just a TV contract sure, sure. when it comes to that. I, when 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 I went there in 1995, we ran every, every show we ran was jam packed, and and when we were in Bangalore. We ran an outdoor stadium held around thirty thousand people. It was so packed, and um, and this is kind of what happens over there. There's, there's some, you know, there's corruption, yeah. corruption everywhere, but yeah. especially there in like Mexico and stuff like that. Uh, the place was sold out well in advance, and security people were taking money and letting people in the side door, yeah. so the place was full before. All the people with real tickets. tickets actually got in. <laughs> yes, and they jammed everyone in there, and there was actually structural damage to the stadium. Wow. Yeah. Who was on top for that? Uh... Bret Hart. Yeah. Yeah. Who was he? He was the champion. Who, do you know who he? Um, Tiger Ali. I can't even. I'm tight. <laughs> he wasn't even working for the company then, but I'm not sure. That's a good question. Well, do you think advertisers are afraid to put money and ads into companies like this because? people there don't have the money to spend on their ads not listen no. let me tell yeah, you there's something money there okay just okay there's a there's a billion plus people there okay and yeah tons of them tons of them are dirt poor but when you got a billion some people there's still an asinine amount of really rich people there mm-hmm. so uh trust me there's still there's tons of money so is it better to do like a uh what's his name I can't think of his name. Where they have personal shows, like the rich, rich people oh, yeah. pay to have a show just for them. Well, well WWE, that's that not in their interest. Yeah. It's not the ri- I mean, it's... Uh, the best example I can think of is, like, when I, for instance, when I went to Kenya. So when you think of Kenya or Africa in general, there's just you th- think of poor people and all this other stuff. Where there are people who have jobs, they have cars, they have houses, they have apartments. There are people that are living just like us, but you never see that because all they see when you see Africa is starving kids with big bellies. So it's kind of the same thing. You know, I know I have my brothers married to an Indian woman. Like, their family is very well off. So it's just kind of like I know yeah. it's it's just kind of every every uh, every country has the same kind of dynamic. Yeah. Power it's, it's like what, that's what, what I was thinking. Yeah, like, Power like, I mean, there's a cat the caste system there, and that's like just how it how it works there but trust me even like in this country and other countries in its own way there's we have our own freaking caste system yeah yeah, for sure you know well what you were talking about like training the people it's getting the product into that country and then once it's in that country training the people who can afford it to like it that's the thing yeah, it's just like in Mexico when WWE goes to Mexico. They okay, wrestling fans. There's a crossover between lucha fans and WWE fans. Yeah. Okay, but a, a ton of like, you know, uh, CMML, CMLL, uh, you know, Arena Mexico, whatever. Uh, all that, all the like the diehards. No, just all the like national like companies oh, in okay. Mexico. Uh, they 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 get the fans that. That are that are the the poor people there, you know the 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 ones that um, there's a actually um, uh, a, a name they call them nacos, which is kind of a derogatory name, mm-hmm. but that but that's it's like the the really really poor. Have you ever heard that expression? I actually haven't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, well, we, like even today, 
The, anyways, what I was going to say yeah, was yeah. this. Uh, a lot of the people that go to the Lucha shows can't afford to go to um, WWE. Right. And, they ne- and they don't even know who a lot of the WWE stars are. Sure. So... It could be to, um, for instance, like a subscription like Netflix, for, since, for instance. Um, when I go to Canada, even though I have a Netflix account, it's the you have some of the shows that are the same, yep. but some of those shows are Canadian-based. So that might be, I don't know if WWE does the same thing with different countries, they but do. that might be something that they want to Well, they recently watch. launched that new Saudi show mm-hmm. um, in Saudi Arabia like that's specific to that. Like there's a, there's a show that only runs in Germany. There's a show that only runs in France. Like they. Mm. So if you get the subscription, then you can kind of see the other things as well, or...? Uh, yeah, but like they like on local television, they have like the Saudi shows on local television. Okay. Mm. Well, like in Europe, NXT used to run on normal television. Yeah, I can't but they would have Sky Sports. You needed the subscription. They would have to make a separate show for Saudi Saudi Arabia and some of those countries over there, just because they're so much different culturally yeah. and the things that are accepted culturally. Yeah, that's what they do. Like the Saudi show and the and the German show, like they, it's basically like primetime wrestling kind of, where they have yeah. a host in the studio who like present it. With the context of the the because I can't even imagine like the the them having the the ladies wrestling. Do yeah. they do they show ladies wrestling there? I mean, they, you can't drive. They they go there and, uh, on the tours. Do they, they go to oh, Dubai start... and UAE and all that? I just re- I've been to. They I just remember being able the, to drive this year. I believe. I just remember back in if you're if you're actually a robot, a female robot, you can get citizenship there. Yeah. But anyways, <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking I, of other shows, were you gonna say something? Yes. Um, so Triple H, um, he is going to be the fifth member of Team Raw. Yeah. So what do you think of this? So it's going to—they've kind of rounded out almost all the Survivor Series except for um, um, the women's division. I think on SmackDown because of the title championship. But do you? He's kind of to me. He's been doing more work in the ring recently. Do you think yep. that's a? That's kind of a thing that happens all the time, or it happens. It happens all the time whenever he wants to. You know, get ready to get back in the ring yeah. on TV, and and you know, he's, I could tell. Like, I think I saw a picture of him that he's he's bulking up a little bit more. He's, you know, getting the, getting that getting his body dialed in. Yeah. So uh, I think this is sowing the seeds for the WrestleMania yeah. WrestleMania match between him and Kurt. Um, was it originally supposed to be Jason Jordan all the yeah. all along? See, well, no, no, I, don't no. Know. I, I think it was originally supposed to be Roman Reigns, but then uh, he okay. got the mumps. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's how you know. I was talking about how when you replace somebody, you replace them with somebody of equal or I just about knocked the coffee over so, again. You might want to scoot that over. Equal or <laughs> equal or greater value, right? Remember, I was telling you about how they replaced Razor with uh, yeah. Ruth Roddy when yeah. I was having the program with Scott. So uh, yeah, bringing then um, a Triple H to replace J- Jason Jordan is. I think that people will consider that equal or greater value. I don't oh, think he sure. was ever like. I think it was planned that he wouldn't be there. Like Jason Jordan yeah. was like almost like a. I think it's just like placeholder. Who, who are they going to replace him with? Right. Like, so. like I think everyone was. I think the assumption was it was going to be Roman Reigns, and everyone was wondering like, is he going to be ready in time mm-hmm. to replace Jason yeah. Jordan? Uh, but I think this is setting up the the Kurt Triple H because they they had Stephanie come out and force Kurt to replace. Jason Jordan, and then he still wouldn't. So then Triple H had to come out, and he was the one to do it. And then he pedigreed Jordan oh, right so in front awesome. of Kurt. So I think that yeah, that's going that. to that. end up being what 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 is the beginning of that match that's going to happen at WrestleMania. I do like the build up to it though, um, <coughs> to, compared to other pay per views, as far as how you know they're having the ma- matches and how everything's kind of coming into play. Like I'm really looking forward to this one. So I think the card's going to be amazing. I, I don't think any any of it has made much sense, but I think that the card's going to be amazing. <laughs> Probably. 
Yeah, I feel like all the little changes we've been seeing for Survivor Series so far have just been getting better yeah. and better. So it's kind of like, oh, I'm so glad this happened. Yeah. Okay, great. This is awesome. Yeah. So I'm really happy that, exactly. you know, that we're going to be seeing Triple H. Any, uh, I, um, how you guys felt about the Under Siege, was that part three from Raw? I, I don't think any of it has made sense at all, uh, yeah. but it doesn't matter. Like they're just they're just making moments. It's just fun to see the randomness that happens. They should have had Steven Seagal just lurking in the background. <laughs> all right. right, let's. You know what we're gonna do? We're gonna take a break right now, and then we're gonna come back with William Patrick Corrigan. What's up, party people? Roxy Stryer here from The Tomorrow Show with Kevin Undergaro. We're your twice-weekly broadcast of One Man's Midlife Crisis and the mad millennials in Star Trek uniforms that follow him. And I'm one of those millennials, Lauren Legrasso here. We've had some amazing guests like Russell Simmons, Ileana Douglas, and Craig Gass. Coolio, right? Christian Blatt in the house to tell you to go to thetomorrowshow.com to check us out. We're live every Monday and Thursday from 10 to midnight Eastern. That's thetomorrowshow.com. Be there, be square, whatever that means. Hey, Xbox 12360 fans, I just wanted to tell you two ways that you can support the show to help it grow. First, if you've ever wanted a shout-out or surprise message for various occasions from me, all you have to do is visit celebvm.com slash Sean Waltman to request a video today. Not only does it support the show, but a portion of the proceeds go to charity. Second, visit ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sean Waltman. That's the only place to grab shirts with the X-Pac 12360 logo, Wolfpack, or many other designs. If you pick up a shirt, make sure to tweet us using the hashtag X-Pac 12360. That's CelebVM.com slash Sean Waltman for a personal message from me, X-Pac. And ProWrestlingTees.com slash Sean Waltman for X-Pac, Wolfpack, and X-Pac 12360 gear. Thanks for supporting the show. Now let's get back to it. Welcome back to X-Pac 12360, everyone. Joining us right now on the telephone is a phenomenal musician and a huge, huge wrestling fan. And he's now the owner of the National Wrestling Alliance. William Patrick Corrigan, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, Billy. Hello. I don't know. I'm here. Oh, hey. Swear <laughs> to God, I'm here. Hey, Billy. <laughs> How are you, man? I'm very good. Thank you. Thank you for, hey, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, it was, it was great seeing you this weekend, uh, Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. And uh, what an amazing acoustic set you had. Uh, I only saw the last one you did on Sunday, but you had four days of those, huh? At the Hollywood Cemetery. That was pretty crazy. I played, uh, I think, 115 songs over four days, so it was pretty mind-bending. Uh, the, the one that I... Dude, the David Bowie uh, Space Odyssey cover was amazing. Amazing, <laughs> man. Except, except me messing up and he, having to stop. That was the best part! Come on, Dave, Billy, you know that those are the moments that are the really cool moments, man. <laughs> and then, I don't know, dude. Okay, you blow a spot in the ring, and you look at the crowd, and you go, excuse me, hold on with that. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so it's just Billy, right? It's just Billy, and and that's it. There's nothing else. Just Billy, a, a couple of lights, a guitar, and, and, a, uh, and a piano. And then he comes back, and he goes, ah, smoke and mirrors. Well, excuse me, please show me the smoke and mirrors, Billy. <laughs> and he goes, ah, you have your trade secrets, I have mine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Billy, um, I... You know, you were involved with, with TNA Impact or whatever you want to call it. But I, I remember in 2002 when, when I was there helping get that uh, that promotion going, 
and they ran into money problems. Do you remember uh, your name coming up as someone they were going to try to reach out to way back then? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, was no, the, I, remember I, read, I remember reading that in the church sheets back then and thinking, who, me? <laughs> yeah, well, I was the one that mentioned your name to them. <laughs> uh, you're, so you're, it's, your, it's your fault I'm still in wrestling. Man. That's right. That's right. Um, so how so how are things going with the NWA so far, Billy? Great. Honestly, uh, we're off to a really good start with the sort of the, the reboot and uh, been really excited by fans' uh, responses so far. And just the beginning, <clears throat> excuse me just the beginning of a long set of ideas that we have and we're just rolling them out one piece at a time because we really uh, don't want to get into the into the thing of trying to compete with other people's ideas sure. of what a wrestling company needs to be in in 2017 nor do we feel the need to make the mistakes that a lot of other people have, have made which is you know uh, uh, run before you can walk yeah are you going to try to have like like the old national wrestling alliance where you have members different promotions being members or is it going to be different now I think it really will ultimately depend on what kind of TV deal situation we land in. Yeah. Um, I think if we end up running truly independent, which at the moment that looks like where it's going to go, then I think the idea of having satellite promotions works really, really well. And I have yeah. had those conversations with people. Um, I think if we get a national wrestling platform, um, I think a lot of our energy then would be going to figure out how to make that work. Because as we all know, uh, overall uh, ratings on a lot of sports uh, is coming down. Yep. Uh, as people move more and more to cutting the cord, uh, internet viewing. And um, I feel very good about the future of wrestling as a, as a sort of a media thing, but at the same time, the traditional form of, hey, I got to sit on this couch on Monday night and, and sit for three hours and watch how this all plays out, that's getting harder and harder uh, to pull an audience for. Um, we certainly went through that at, at TNA when I was there. And right. um, so, so maybe wrestling won't be that, you know, 10 years from now. It, maybe we'll have become something completely different. Huh. Well, I I really like uh, I really like the idea of you uh, hooking up with Mark has that championship wrestling from Hollywood because like we were talking about uh, at at some point this weekend you know he has he has over a hundred he's in over a hundred markets around the country and it's all, like all syndicated markets and and uh, and it's just such a different way of doing it the way uh, compared to the way everyone else is doing it now. Well, I think Dave Smartin that he's taken advantage of a market that people assumed was dead as yep. far as wrestling. In essence, the idea that wrestling would work again as a local affiliate thing like we all grew up on, I think that Dave identified that that market still existed or it could be brought back, and he's done a really good job of rebuilding it uh, one station at a time and uh, and creating you know specialized programming for different markets. And, and I think that quits that fits really nicely with what we're trying to do with NWA at this point. And so we're really happy to work with Dave. He's been nothing but great to work with. And, you know, we, we want to also support him. I think the future of wrestling from the independent side is that people really do need to work together. Yeah. Uh, it behooves, behooves everybody to pull their resources together. Um, uh, you know, WWE obviously is, is the gold star and they take up a lot of oxygen in the market as they should. Yeah. They have every right to, they've earned that. And, um, more power to them, but for the rest of us out here, we have to figure out how to work together to compete in in a marketplace that isn't just the WWE, but is you know football games and you know, I mean shit, lacrosse is on TV now. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Go ahead. Denise. So, Billy, when it comes to rebuilding NWA, what is it like trying to find a balance between keeping tradition of the company, but also trying to come up with some new and innovative ways? Um, I think you start from the idea that. Um, NWA represents something to people, uh, particularly who are like, say, over 35, 
Um, in my mind, it means uh, you know a certain style of wrestling, a certain type of, type of performer, and so you you keep that in mind as far as how you want to present. Um, I, I'm a I'm a firm believer that you want to build you always want to build it around guys who have size. Um, I think that sells particularly to kids. You know, um, you know we all remember the first time we saw Andre the Giant. You know that's that stuff sticks in your mind. Um, as we were joking, you know, the, the elephant, uh, when the circus went out of business, when they got rid of the elephants, you know, no kidding. So, um, yeah. <laughs> right. So we start, we start there, we start there, but we also have to understand that in 2017, the way people view their content is much different. A lot of people now are watching things on their phone. Um, their attention span is, is really short. Um, a lot of times people make decisions within the first four to 10 seconds of whether or not they want to keep watching something that maybe you spent a lot of money and a lot of time on to get to 10 minutes. So it's going to grab them right out of the box. So you have to move at a 21st century pace. But I think the tradition of the NWA is, is, is around uh, kind of a bruising uh, big guy style. And I, I don't have any problems sort of building around that. Huh. Billy, I really, uh, I really enjoyed the vignettes that Dave Lagana made. Uh, they were, they were really, uh, really unique and, and, they really, uh, they really made me like Tim Storm. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we, we have this, uh, if anybody gets a chance, we have on our NWA channel, we have a series called 10 Pounds of Gold where we sort of spotlight not only what the, uh, what the heavyweight title means, but also Tim Storm is the champion that we inherited from the, from the Bruce Tharp era of the, the NWA. And a lot of people assume that we were just going to discard Tim. Yeah. And, uh, I was one of them. Okay, and we took a look at it, and we thought, no, you know, there's actually a really interesting story here, and let's let's just let it play out. And uh, getting to know Tim and, and working with Tim has been a total pleasure. He's a class act. Um, you know, he's been a wrestler for 20 years, so yep. he understands he understands the tradition that we're after. And I like him being involved with the NWA for years to come, even if he should he decide to retire here along the way. I hope he'll he'll be part of our our, our family. So. Um, I like the story that we're telling, and I hope people get a chance to sort of pick up on the story. We, we plan on sort of working this asymmetrical TV strategy where we put up these documentaries and keep people clued in. We're about to run another storyline this weekend um, that should be going up any second. So it's episodic television just like anything else, you know. So uh, hopefully people will subscribe and follow along. Where is the, where, where is the next stop on, 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 like, the if you want to call it a tour or whatever um, for, for Tim Storm as NWA champion? Uh, he has a he has a match coming up this I believe it's this Friday in Clarksville, uh, uh, at uh, Tennessee at uh, Crimson's promotion. Oh, okay. Um, and so that's sort of his next chapter. We'll be following that. So the cool thing is, is if you're following along in sort of documentary style, we'll be there with cameras, and so you get to see the how the whole day plays out. So there's a bit of a, a shoot feel behind the scenes, but you also get to see how the storylines play out, just like uh, typical wrestling television. So with 10 pounds of gold, how important how important is it to have, you know, the bell on the spotlight, you know, before the launch of the NWA? Um, well, look, when you connect the tradition of that belt, I mean, I think that's, that's that gets everyone's attention. Now, you have to be careful because you can't suddenly start acting like, you know, you've got uh, Jack Briscoe and uh, Terry Funk and and uh, and Dory and uh, you know Dusty waiting in the wings. You know he, you have to you not only do you have to rebuild your talent pool, but you have to rebuild what the belt means in popular culture. Um, again, to anybody over 35, I mean they know what that belt means. I mean that belt is a very very important belt as a historical uh, lineage. But you know the belt uh, has not been uh, always taken care of here over the last 10 20 years. 
And uh, so we also have to rebuild what the belt means in the in the wrestling community. And you know, you were talking about how okay, it's not you know we don't have Jack Briscoe or this guy, or that, but you know, you with Tim Storm, you you painted a picture and it's an authentic picture. You're not trying to you no, know, you guys haven't tried to uh, pass Tim Storm off as something he's not. I think I think you've done an excellent job at that. I think that's the beauty of it. Is is I think what it shows is. I think the modern audience can respect somebody's journey if their journey is authentic. Yep. And, um, not everybody's journey is Jimi Hendrix or, or Ric Flair, you know? Um, there's a thousand different stories to tell, and you can tell them. I mean, who would have thought 20 years ago that Breaking Bad would have been a huge series? You know what I mean? Um, who would have thought in 2017 that fans would get behind a 53-year-old wrestler who's a school teacher? True, but he looks so much better now than he did twenty some years ago. See, I remember like once I once I saw him the other night, like started coming back to me. I remember him being at TVs and different things like that. It's just he looks ten times better now than he did when he was younger. I think I believe him when he says that the NWA Championship changed his life and it made him want to be a better person, a better uh, a, a man, and a and a better professional wrestler. So. That belt means so much to him that he devoted himself to be the best version of himself he can be. Yeah. So he's peaking right now at 53, which is a weird thing to say. Yeah. But he's having, he's having the best ride of his life. He's having the best run of his life, and he deserves it. He's put his time in. He's arrived at the right spot. And look, we're, we're not a, you know, this is not a charity. I mean, this is a business, as you know. I yep. mean, you've lived it. Um, and and right now he's carrying us forward where we want to go, and 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 we want to ride with him. And and I'm 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 pleased to be in business with him. And again, a true professional. Hey, Billy, you're um, you're you're working with Rick Rubin again now, huh? And you you worked with him on on your latest album, right? Yeah, uh, Rick produced the album that's out now called OG Lala. It's a sort of acoustic. Uh, kind of a little bit of a mellower record, but uh, probably the best received record I've had probably in about 20 years. Sweet. So it's been quite a great thing and working with Rick's been amazing. And you know, the funny thing is, and it pertains to what we're talking about, all Rick wanted to talk about between takes of doing the album was wrestling. That's why I brought it up. Cause I was wondering if, if, if Rick had anything behind the scenes to do with this or is helping you out with this. Uh, no, but he certainly gave me a lot of good advice. Um, you know, Rick's a really brilliant man. And as, as somebody who's really a fan of the business, he gave me some really good advice. He loved the idea of bringing back the NWA as a sort of a bruising, old school style promotion. Sure. And I think what little we've seen so far uh, is proving that that's true. That there are a lot of people out there who feel that's that that there's a place in wrestling for that again. And um, you know, look, I'm I'm a big fan of the of the lucha style and the and the Japanese strong style. I mean, I love all that stuff. But I don't know when I see two big bulls in the ring going at it. I mean, that that brings me back to to watch and you know dick the bruiser and oh sure and ox baker and all those guys i mean it takes me right, right back into when i fell in love with wrestling so it works for me ox baker i like to beat people up <laughs> the heart punch. punch i mean what a, yeah. one, one of the great finishers of all time oh, and he and he had the painted toenails too did you ever notice that about him <laughs> No, I don't remember that. Yeah, no, that was one of the things about Ox that like people knew like many years ago that he always painted his toenails back at a time when men, you know, yeah. that just didn't happen. So, are there any wrestlers in other federations or on the indies that fit this character that you would like to see in NWA? Can can you rephrase that? Sorry, I'm not sure. I totally understand. Are there any wrestlers in other promotions, maybe like a Ring of Honor, that you would like to see 
in the NWA that fit this old Dick the Bruiser style character that you're looking for? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's people everywhere that I would love to work with. I think it just gets into who's available and when they're available. And, you know, uh, I'll give you a little, a little insight. It's a little different thing than you're asking. But, you know, I've seen some criticism already about, well, they're not doing that much. And, you know, they're just working with a couple guys. It's like, look, I got plenty of money. I could go out and blow a lot of money, sign a lot of people. <laughs> but um, we, we, we have a long road here. I mean, this is a 20-year plan to rebuild the NWA. First, we need to re restore what the belt means in people's minds. We need to find the right talent. And, and, uh, and I don't think we should be in a, in a more aggressive position than the marketplace is ready to bear. It takes a long time. And, and again, anybody under 35 probably has never even heard of the NWA. They think it's a rap group, you know. So um, it takes time. But, yeah, I, 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 there's – Trust me, I've got my eye on a lot of people, but not everybody's available, and nor could I offer them always what they're what they're worth in the open market. So, hopefully, we'll find the right talent at the right times. But right now, you know, working with Nick Aldis, you know, who used to be Magnus in TNA. I mean, the guy is. I mean, you saw him the other day, Sean. I mean, he looks phenomenal right now. Oh yeah. He's in the best. He's in the best shape of his life, and his work is fantastic. He's a great person. I know him very well. I've been friends with his wife, Mickey, for years. And uh, it's a total pleasure to work with Nick, too. So, And we've got other people we're about to sign. And, um, yeah, we're really, really excited about where we're going. It was cool when I, when I was uh, – when, when we were at, uh, at the Hollywood Cemetery the other night, uh, uh, Damian Sandow, a.k.a. Uh, Aaron Rex, showed up. Yeah. And uh, that would be a good guy to have in the NWA, Billy. Yeah, no, he's a friend of mine, and we've certainly talked to him about doing stuff. He's really particularly interested in being able to run creatively free. Yeah, You know, he's a guy that's shown when he's allowed to run his, his world the way he wants, he gets over with fans. He looks phenomenal. He's still in great shape. Um, he hasn't worked a lot this last year, so his, his body is really healed up. Um, I think the, the question with him is not whether or not he'd work with us. I think the question is whether he still wants to be involved in professional wrestling because he's, he's obviously had some bitter experiences along the way. But I think he does. For, just from talking to him, I think he doesn't. It's, it just seems like it would be a good fit. It was funny he was telling me a story about Rick Rubin coming up to him and said he should be a magician. <laughs> 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 but he meant it That's as a like a character thing. in wrestling, right? <laughs> Yeah, it was great because I, I had my 50th birthday party in L.A. And uh, Sandow was there. Eli Drake was there. EC3 was there. Um, Chris Nowinski there, was there. You, you know, it was Chris Harvard yeah, in WWE. who's a friend of mine now working in concussion research. So we were laughing because we had a we had a pretty good main event roster at my birthday party. Sounds <laughs> great, man. Damn. Chris Nowinski. I, you know, I side note, I my brain is being donated to the uh, to the Boston University concussion study when I die. So. He, he actually brought that up last night uh, when I saw him. Yeah. And he told me he said he said to make sure that I brought it up to you. And I thought I don't know how I'm going to bring up your brain donation <laughs> in, the, in the course of this conversation. So I'm glad that you did. But that's fantastic that you're doing that because that's really important research. Um, and uh, and you know, look as somebody who loves the business and is involved in the business, your health is you know you're my friend yeah. and your health and uh, and the people I work with is really important to me. So. The more the more focus we can get on this uh, research and figuring out ways to treat CTE, which is obviously the thing that's causing a lot of these issues. That's a really important issue, and, and I think it's going to become a much bigger issue with professional wrestling as we go along. Oh, for sure, absolutely. I just, the, truthfully, Billy, I I feel I feel some cognitive impairment, uh, and and I know it's not from the drugs. Uh, and I just it's just something you deal with, though, you know. And and you you know I just try to from 
from now on, I just try not to do any more damage to myself. But uh, I just think there's a lot of things that can be done since since uh, we're talking about concussions. I think there's a lot of preventative things that can be done that are not being done. Like wearing yeah, I think, I think that's the difficulty is, you know, and let's speak about the wider arc of sports culture. We've all been in that situation, you know, me when I was an athlete, when I was younger, you know, where you get hurt and yeah. somebody kind of pressures you to get back into a situation that you're not physically capable of handling. And now we know from all the research with concussions, the worst thing you can do if you're dinged up is to get back in there. Yeah. And the thing is, is like we, as, as an athlete, we want to put ourselves back in the game, even though we're not, we shouldn't be. So, I mean, it, to, we need somebody to tell us no, you know? Yeah. Chris once told me, uh, this is Chris Nowinski I'm speaking of, because yeah. he's, you know, he's obviously at the forefront of this research. They have found that the natural reaction of somebody who's been concussed it's a fight or flight response. To, is they actually are flooded with a certain type of endorphins, which makes them, which convinces them that they're actually all right. Yep. So it's an actual natural response to think you're okay. And they think what it is, is it's, it goes back to ancient times of humans that if they had been, say, injured in the, in the forest or something, the reason the body convinces itself okay is that they would be able to get out of danger. Yeah, that makes sense. They would still be able to function sort of, you know, for another 10 minutes. But the, the actual response where an athlete will say, no, no, I'm actually okay, is actually part of the body's response to the concussion. Yeah. Hey, uh, yeah, it's, it's, really, it's just so much, when it comes to that, there's just so much we don't know yet and, and that. But. Oh, we're at, the, we're, at the, we're at early, early days of this research. You know? And what's funny is, it's, uh, and you know, this, is a, you know, this is a topic that we all you know, need to consider. If, say that somebody has a banged up knee and can't work, I mean, what's crazy is a brain injury isn't treated the same as a knee injury. That's true. Yeah. You, know? Yeah. Um, you know, you go to somebody, hey, I can't walk, I can't move, I can't run. They say, okay, well, we'll, we'll hide you in a tag match or something. You know what I mean? But, like, a brain injury is treated like a toughness issue, generally speaking. Yeah, shake it off. Come on, you'll be fine. Get back in there. Yep. I definitely know what that's like. Go ahead, Denise. So do you think coming from another industry and then coming into the wrestling world is what kind of is keeping you uh, so open-minded and uh, like trying new things outside the box? Um, that's a great question. Uh, it's a combination of things. One, um, yeah, I, I came to wrestling with a lot of ideas that maybe weren't built on knowledge. And then having been in the wrestling business for a while, I've been able to kind of synergize the reality of the business versus my sort of ideas. And then other times also I've had some of my ideas being outside the box work and I had people in the industry push back against me, which is kind of weird. It gets into that kind of thing of like, well, that's not the way things are done, which very much reminds me of my music career, which I used to hear that with my band. You know, don't play that type of music or you can't do that or you can't make that type of video. And I would always think, why not? Um, what I love about wrestling is it, is it really has an unlimited level of creativity depending on who you work with and the ideas that you have. And I, I feel very bright about what the future of wrestling can be for myself and the NWA because now I have nobody standing in front of my way with my, my crazy ideas. And if they work, great. And if they don't, well, I'm willing to take the responsibility because it was my idea. I've definitely been in other situations, particularly at TNA, where I – I brought a lot of ideas to the table, and I was shut down, not because the ideas were bad, but because they didn't fall within the traditional realm of how wrestling is presented. Some of those ideas that, that you did manage to get through are really cool, though. Like, I mean, what was the deal with the, with the, with the, with the ladies that were like kind of like, I don't know, what the hell was it? They were like gothic or like... Uh... Oh, are you talking about TNA? Yeah. 
talking about Decay? Oh, you're yeah. talking about the Decay, uh, yes. the Decay faction? Yes, yeah. Rosemary. Of yeah. All of that Crazy stuff. Steve? Yeah, that was right. really well, cool stuff. Was Billy. Rosemary entirely your creation? Uh, no, but I had a, a lot to do with it and much talent to, uh, to, the, to the woman who plays Rosemary. Uh, you know, is incredibly talented. I mean, probably one of the most talented uh, performers I've worked with, male or female. Incredibly talented woman. Um, yeah, the idea was interesting. It was one of those classic things where um, somebody in the company came up with the idea of, of using a, a, a gothic-type wrestler. And my first thought was of Daphne, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and I said, you know, how, how are we going to make sure we're not just going to sort of do a Daphne retread, mostly out of respect to Daphne. Um, and they said, no, we want it to be more like this. And then, and then they kind of they said, you know about this stuff. Like, <laughs> you kind of handle it since you seem to have a strong opinion about it. And so um, together with uh, Holly, who plays Rosemary in, in, in Impact Wrestling, um, we kind of mapped out this, this, this character that was more of like a Comic-Con, Wizard World type uh, person. Like one of those people who shows up all dressed oh, up. Oh, cosplayer. You know? Yeah, more like a cosplayer gimmick. And she had done some cosplaying on her own in real life. So she was pretty familiar and said, you're kind of almost describing me as I really am. So she felt very comfortable with adapting this character. So we talked a lot about the inner psychology, which I think really played out in the vignettes that we did. And then we built the decay faction around her, uh, made her the focal, focal point because she's so fantastic on the microphone and so fantastic as a focal point. Using Abyss as the muscle and Crazy Steve as sort of the, the guy who was, a, was a, sort of obsessed with her, sort of like the love interest who never gets the girl but will do anything that the girl says, um, you know, because he wants her so bad or she's his ideal woman or however we worked that out. I mean, it was amazing. And then here's a quick funny story. Um, we were talking about what music we were going to use. And I was talking to Crazy Steve and, and I said, I said, do you have anything in mind? And he said, well, there's this Marilyn Manson song that would, if we could find a song like this song, it would be awesome. And I said, well, why don't I just call Marilyn Manson yeah. to see if we can use the song? And, <laughs> and two hours later, they were walking down the ramp to the song, and they just were like, they, they, they were like, we can't believe you got this song for us. This is just insane. And the song took on immediately, took off immediately. The gimmick took off immediately. And it was one of those things, and it's a shame that it got broken up under the, the last regime, they broke up the gimmick right away, which was totally crazy to me. I don't mean to criticize the product, but obviously that was a creative decision. But it was insane because the gimmick was so over, and it was a perfect balance of, of Abyss, Crazy Steve, and Rosemary, where everybody was like, a, was like the Beatles. The three of them all got equal reactions from the crowd. They were all over, and um, it's a shame they didn't get more out of that gimmick. Yeah. yeah you, you just brought up Abyss, and what a talent, man. Like. As Abyss, he's great, and as Joseph Park, he's great. What a freaking talent that guy is. How it was how was that to work with him, man? You know, what's interesting about Abyss is, you know, he, he you know, he's a big guy and, and you know, he's he can do all the big guy stuff, but he's really a thinking man's wrestler. He really understands the game. Probably the best agent I've ever worked with. Most people don't know a lot of the main events for the last God, I don't know how many years, but the, like a lot of those big main events, that would be this book in those main events as an agent. Nice. So he really is an incredibly talented man, and uh, 
and uh, and a friend and, and somebody I really enjoyed working with. How, how, how's, this is my best impression. I love you, Billy. Are you mad at me? <laughs> well, you're giving me, you, you're, you bring back a lot of memories over there at the Ale House. <laughs> uh, Billy, I don't know how... It's about I, 2 a.m. He's had a couple of drinks and yeah. a couple of cigarettes, and he's telling me he loves me. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, Billy, I don't know how closely you followed it, but um, what's your take on what Lucha Underground is doing with the suspension of disbelief and choosing to treat wrestling more cinematically i think it's fantastic um uh i think what they've done is truly groundbreaking i mean certainly uh it influenced not you know not crazily directly but it certainly showed it could it could work with what we did with the broken hardies uh you know the broken universe with the hardies um i think wrestling is due for a renaissance i think wrestling needs to look more like television of 2017 um do you think I don't, that there's a space in NWA for that sort of storytelling, or are you looking to get more back to basics? I think I think our general thought is we would like to get there, but I think we we need to reestablish let's let's call it the core look and feel of the NWA. Um, I know it can work, but I also think I, I let me put it to you this way: when you look at the Broken Hardy's gimmick, which was obviously a really really successful thing last year. You know, it, it was a great idea. We had a lot of fun doing it. You know, Borash with the drone and doing all sorts of crazy stuff that we would sit and think of. And Abyss actually had a lot to do with that too. Sometimes we would sit and sort of riff on these ideas. Yeah. But you know, you also need a Matt Hardy to pull it off. You know, you can't you can't just hand stuff like that to just anybody, mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. You can't just take any run of the mill indie wrestler and tell them that they're living in a broken universe and they got to take the fans on this crazy journey. So it's much credit to the Lucha performers who were able to do that and to someone like Matt Hardy and Jeff, of course, to, to take you into a world that was very, very personal. Did you ever think it, was, it would get as over as it did? Um, no, but I will say that it's very interesting. Um, There's a little inside baseball. After the first week that we did it, the, the internet world was split 50-50. Those who loved it, loved it, and those who hated it, absolutely hated it. They thought it was the worst thing they'd ever seen. They thought breaking the fourth wall was a, an atrocious idea. They just were all over it. And I got some pressure from inside TNA uh, management at the time to kill it right off the bat. And I've been around enough things in my own life to know when you're on to something. In essence, um, when you have a reaction that is that visceral, you have something to play with. And the fact that there was negative heat on it to me, I didn't see as a bad thing. That meant people were talking. And at that point, anybody talking about TNA was a good thing. So I had to fight really hard to keep it going. Um, And so then after that point, then when it took off, it didn't surprise me because I knew that first week reaction was, was, could only be built upon. And that's why we went crazier and wilder from there because it fed into that. It was like feeding a fire that was already going pretty strong. Man, it was uh, it was just insane. I remember <laughs> I went to Ron Funch's house and watched it with him because I hadn't seen it before, and uh, and I was just blown away by it. It was just so over the top, crazy, outside the box stuff. You know, I mean that like you're talking about that drone and like shooting bottle rockets up the drone. I mean, come on, that's just. That's just that's that's genius stuff, Billy. One of my one of my favorite spots that Matt came up with was um, we had this whole idea that there was going to be this confrontation, face to face confrontation between Rosemary and, and and Matt Hardy, or Broken Matt. 
and Matt came up with the, the spot that he would absorb the mist and blow it back at her. Yes. I mean, just so brilliant. Matt is so brilliant. Do you know? Um, do you know they did, they did that? Uh, uh, Quang and Undertaker did that. Oh yeah. Yeah, in a match. Oh, I didn't know Saudi that. Yes. Yes. yes, it was at it was at uh, I want to say it was at TV's in in Lowell, Massachusetts. It doesn't matter what the building was, but Quang spit the mist at Undertaker. And Undertaker spit it back at him. It was such a cool spot. But I don't. I think it's just parallel thinking. I don't think yeah. that. I don't think it was stolen from that. Yeah, and see what was cool about it from a from a booking standpoint is, you know, usually when you have a a a, a, a man confronting a woman, a babyface man confronting a heel woman, you know, especially with the rules of of television and stuff, you know, there's not much he can do to her. You know what I mean? It's yeah. not like he can pick up a brick and hit her in the head. So that was such a cool way to create, to create, uh, you know, for her to get her comeuppance from him without any violence. Yeah, yeah. Billy, earlier you were talking about how much Abyss does behind the scenes that people don't know about. Um, another person that was doing a ton at Impact that people are, probably aren't aware of is Rockstar Spud, and the rumor is that he's now going to be heading over to WWE. What are your thoughts on Spud? Well, first off, I mean, I can't believe they let him go probably one of the most talented people in the building mm -hmm. literally can do anything you know let's set aside his size because that you know he's obviously not a big guy but beyond his size i mean there isn't anything he can't do he's a great talker he's a great ring tactician um he can put together a great match he's capable of working in any spot you put him in he's a hell of a baby cover. face and a hell of a heel mm -hmm. He really is a super talented guy, so I can't believe he's out of the building. But that said, uh, their loss will be absolutely to be WWE's gain. I think, in, from what I know about WWE World, I think he will find his place and he will excel in it. Um, you know, my, my, my respect for WWE is when they find talented people, they tend to keep them in the building, um, even if they got to move them around in different roles, if the wrestling side doesn't go the way that the, the, the talent would like. So. I feel very uh, happy for uh, Spud. Um, I feel he'll absolutely excel in that environment. So when Anthem finally came into the picture, did they ever approach you to stay with the company or had you at this point already made up your mind that you were gonna do your own thing? Um, that's a very interesting question because it, it gets super complicated with the lawsuit that I had filed um, because in, at that point, Anthem was sort of on the other side of the fence uh, representing the interests of uh, their own at that time because they were a they were a minor, minority owner, as was this company called Airlux, which was doing the production, and then Dixie Carter. So in essence, they all lined up against me to in order for the lawsuit to be uh, made to go away. But it was Anthem who settled the lawsuit with me since they were going to be taking over the company. And so the minute the lawsuit and all that stuff was settled and, and the money was all worked out, I got on the phone with Ed, uh, who runs Anthem. Uh, and I basically said, look, there's no, there's no hard feelings, and I feel like we're going to be in business together. I think I'm going to be buying the NWA. And so we're in constant talks with them about working with them at various levels. Um, and uh, I, I guess I'm not involved in the company in any kind of day-to-day -day way. I don't have anything to do with the creative anymore. But I am involved with the company in the sense that we have maintained uh, contact over the last year, uh, both in sort of a kind of a general advisory role of him, my, me giving him my free opinion as far as what I think they could do better, because obviously Ed's spoken very publicly about, you know, this has been his introduction into the wrestling business, and sometimes it's a bit confusing with the personalities and the forces at play. But secondarily, also sort of feeling there might be a play there 
uh, involving talents and, and, and being involved, you know, in, in what I was saying before is from the independent view is that people need to work together. And I would work with anybody, including WWE, if it was the right situation for the NWA. Uh, Billy, if you don't want to comment on this, that's totally fine. Um, but someone recently this week tallied up the, the figure. And since the changeover to Anthem, 40 talents have left Impact Wrestling. 40. And I, I don't know what, if that says anything to you about the direction the company's headed. Well, there's two things there. I mean, I think on one hand, um, when someone's handed the keys to a company, in this case Anthem, and then whoever they choose to run the sort of the wrestling operations, it's their decision who they want to bring in and in what direction they want to take the company. And so, look, anybody can 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 say it's a good thing, a bad thing, but at the end of the day, it's really more based politically around who's in charge and what vision they have for the company going forward. The other thing has obviously got to do with financial stuff where they've tried to bring the costs, which under the Dixie era were you know, wildly out of control. The company was running at a loss and uh, there, it was unsustainable. Obviously that's how Dixie ended up in the, in the situation where she, she started offering me a piece of the company. And I ended up running the company for a period of time because the debt situation had completely spiraled out of control. And as I contended in my court case, the debt was far more significant than, than Dixie was letting on, um, which I would argue was borderline criminal. Um, you because, think? you know, my, 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 well, my lawyers found debt that they were, will, they were, they had, they had hidden off the books. Mm-hmm. Um, so it got super complicated. That's all been resolved. So Anthem deserves a lot of credit for um, bringing the budgets back under control and continuing the company. Um, and so, yeah, some of that stuff is obviously just financial and, and, you know, it's easy to criticize from a fan point of view because, you know, you want the best talent there if you're a fan, um, because you want to see the best people doing the best job. And that's not to disparage anybody that's there. Um, there's still a lot of talented people on that roster. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's obviously just trying to reel the business. It just doesn't look like there's, there's not much about that company that, that even looks similar to how it, how it was, you know, uh, a year ago or even six months ago. That's the thing about it. I like, think the only thing left is a six-sided ring. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, even the seamstress I don't think is there anymore. But, uh, but I, um, I like that they, brought, that they brought things like production-wise back to Canada. I think that's kind of cool to have a, a pro wrestling a big, a big wrestling company, a major promotion, well, considered one of the major promotions, actually based in Canada and doing things up there. It's good for the Canadian wrestling fans. I, I think that's, that's, a, that's a plus. I think the fact that they'll be able to take advantage of some of the Canadian tax laws to, to you know, if, you, if you're a Canadian company and you run, you use Canadian talent, you, know, you get a significant tax break. Mm. Um, and so, again, I think it's just wisdom to try to keep the company solvent. Um, do you picture? Think, I'm sorry, Billy. Do you picture yourself as as NWA being involved with with them again? Um, yeah, we're 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 in constant discussions with them about mm. ways to work together. Um, we're willing to talk to anybody who wants to be in business with us. We we feel we've had a lot to offer. What makes the TNA situation or Impact situation unique is if you remember the the belt was originally NWA TNA. Oh yeah. The original belt was actually based on the NWA belt, and the lineage ran through there, uh, including AJ Styles holding that belt. So um, there is a history there with the NWA that that is easily, uh, you know, brought back together as far as it, it pertains to fans. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but you know, again, running an asymmetrical strategy as far as how to create content for for the NWA in the 21st century, 
um, again, we're, we're willing to work with anybody that's up and running and, and like Dave Marquez has a stage and has a, has talent. And it seems like you're, you're not like, uh, you're not like rigid to where you can't like adjust or, or I, I'm trying, I'm trying to blank on how to, how to say this, but it just seems like you're willing to go in just about any direction that it takes you. Absolutely. I mean, I would say this, and I don't mean this in any kind of boorish way. And I, it's, I'm repeating myself a little bit. I could just blow my own money. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't think that really will serve the company in the long run. And I also think we want to figure out how to work in this 21st century environment. And I do believe that working with other promotions is just good for business for everybody. I mean, look, it's in it. It's, it's about internet mashup. So uh, would you, after following the 10 pounds of gold, would you be interested in seeing, say, Tim Storm face Bobby Lashley, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. If you're following sure. the NWA story, okay, maybe you are interested in seeing one of the best professional wrestlers in the world and one of the biggest, baddest men on the planet, Bobby Lashley, face our champ. Could our champ survive a Lashley? That's an interesting storyline. Now, would it work well for Impact Wrestling? Maybe, maybe not. But the point is, is that's what wrestling really should be about, compelling matchups. That's what UFC's been so good at doing on the MMA side, co- creating really compelling matchups. By, by controlling the atmosphere, like WWE, they're able to create those matchups, those one-of-a-kind matchups, where when you're finally going to see, you know, Braun Strowman uh, against uh, uh, Brock Lesnar, then, uh, then, you know, it means something. So, yeah. you know, as you know, you have to do those builds. Yeah, I was still, you were mentioning UFC. I think Bellator does a really good job at that too, booking booking matches, booking. Well, they just signed uh, you know Jack Swagger, yeah. Jack Hager, to a three fight deal. That's I mean, from a wrestling fan point of view, that's super compelling. I can see Jack Swagger as the NWA World Heavyweight Champion, Billy. <laughs> Wouldn't bother me. <laughs> hey, is that the little one in the background? Yeah, that's my son. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Hey Billy, it's actually his, sec- his second birthday tomorrow. So, uh, oh, oh, awesome! He, I, I said to him, I said to him, I said, I said, you know what tomorrow is? I said tomorrow it's your birthday, and he said no. <laughs> <laughs> hey Billy, I when when I uh, when I and I did watch I did watch you on Rogan, uh, so I did hear you talk about this. But when I mentioned that you were going to be on the show, uh, a lot of people uh, wanted me to ask you. Uh, about your Nickelback comment. <laughs> wait, okay, wait, back up. What, first of all, what did I say? Oh, <laughs> uh, you you talked about you know you talked about Nickelback on on Rogan, and I remember I saw it, and uh, you were talking about um, you know how the the it was just like porn, you know, pop music is like porn, and like you know how everyone gives them shit, but how really like there's good songwriting there and everything. Well, some people. Uh, some people ran with that, Billy, and they're like giving you shit about that. <laughs> in, in terms of it, I, I mean, I understand the general concept, but what what did I say that they took umbrage with? I guess they just. It's, I guess it's just the fact that everyone hates Nickelback so much. I agree with you, Billy. I agree with you. I I don't see what the big problem is with with Nickelback. Yeah, I, I think. Um... I don't know. I, I, I never know where to go with stuff like that because right. um, there's lots of music I hate in the world. You know what I mean? Um, like what? But I don't, think it's up, <laughs> I, I don't think it's up for me to decide who's, who's good or bad. I mean, I could sit here and tell you who I like, but sure. at the end of the day, or who I don't like, it doesn't make a damn bit of difference. It's the fans who decide. Mm-hmm. I didn't even want to bring that up. It's just I heard it from several people. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> no. What I'm saying is, I guess what I'm trying to say is, look, at the end of the day, um, you know, they're one of the most successful bands ever. Exactly. So, 
It's got to be for a reason, can, right? People, well, but that's what I'm saying is people can people can have their opinions, but at the end of the day, that band is still wildly successful. So, if you if you don't start from a place of respect and then move to opinion, and if all you have is an opinion, well, then you're just like everybody in the crowd. Amen. Yep. You've been a, a hugely visible and and outspoken wrestling fan since ECW days. Why do you think it is that to, now in 2017, every month or every other month, there's a story that suddenly trends where it's like, oh, wow, Billy Corgan likes pro wrestling? Like, why, why does that keep happening? You know, I have no idea other than it's just, it, they, they must be getting clicks because... To me, this is a very old story. I mean, MTV, I did an angle with ECW, I think, in 2000, and MTV ran a video piece, and they started by saying, this is a sign of the apocalypse. <laughs> okay? And it was me taking a guitar shot or something, you know, whatever happened, and, you know, uh, Louis dangerously hit me in the back of the head with the phone or something at the Hammerstein Ballroom, <laughs> or I hit him with a guitar, whatever the angle was at the time. But the point is, is this idea 17 years later i mean first of all i've been in professional wrestling now i think for six or seven years i own the oldest wrestling brand in the world this idea that it's like a like a curious thing is it's i, I don't understand how it even plays it's so it's but, so not a story but like it was somebody's some, making money off it like it was some dirty secret or something <laughs> I mean, I, I thought I I thought I'd taken that bullet years ago. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, you've always been a huge wrestling fan and supported the wrestling community. I remember one of my first PWG shows before lots of celebrities were just seen at PWG. You were there sitting on the stage. What was your PWG experience like? Well, I'd never been to PWG. Um, I went a couple times, and that was the first time. And uh, I was blown away by the atmosphere. And uh, and I'd heard about uh, Brian Danielson, you know, now known as Daniel Bryan. I'd heard about him and, and, and heard about the mystique. But when I saw it for myself and I saw the reaction of the fans and I saw his in-ring work, I thought, wow, this guy's really a star. And so very happy for him that he, that he went on to have a, obviously, you know, injuries issues, but actually brain issues, right? I mean, I'm not crazy. Um, am I wrong about that? Did he have... Concussion issues, right? Yeah, yeah and and some neck issues too, right? Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, but uh, what an incredible talent! And uh, you know, obviously, talk about whether or not he's going to come back. But but uh, man, seeing seeing a guy, seeing a talent like that up close as he's peaking into what became a main event career, fantastic PWG, great atmosphere, great fans, really made me start to appreciate um, that level of work uh, at the indie level. You know, I'd sing I'd sing Ring of Honor and. Uh, you know, I'd seen a lot of that stuff, but I did. PWG sort of showed me that there was this other thing coming um, that maybe, you know, is more obvious now with the way the internet works. But at the time, it was sort of new to me. I don't mean I'd never seen it, but it was like PWG put it all together where you could really see that level of in ring work um, all in one place in a, in a hothouse atmosphere. It was fantastic. Sweet. Is hey. that atmosphere something you're striving for with the NWA? Yeah, I think I think you need to bring bring back a certain ambiance, and um, it's hard to explain and hard to articulate because when I say it, it probably gives the wrong message. If I say I want the ambiance of what it felt like to be at the International Amphitheater in 1972, people automatically assume I want to take it back to some old form of wrestling. I don't, but there was a certain atmosphere there in the kayfabe days that that you know people believed in it in a way that wasn't just 
they believed in the kayfabe. They they believed in the sort of the general feel of those guys. And, and I think wrestling is missing a little bit of that right now. I mean, I see it when I see Brock Lesnar. I see it when I see Bobby Lashley. I see it when I watch MMA. And I know that that feeling can be, be brought in back across the board with the NWA. I just know, I know it's there to be had. It'll take time to build, but I know when we get there, I think we'll stand apart because I'll be able to recreate that atmosphere in a way that feels very contemporary. And, and particularly, and I, this is one of my major harps, wrestling needs to get younger. We need to start attracting younger fans again. Yeah. And I want a 15-year-old to turn on the NWA product at some point and, and have the same reaction I had when I was 10 the first time I saw Dick the Bruiser. I, wanna, I want that kid to have that same, like, what am I watching? And I really, I really think that wrestling at its core is, 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 it has to start with kids. It has to, it has to, you know, it's the same reason the, the comic book movies are so big because we read comic books when we were a kid. You know, we, we, Generation X ushered in that generation of comic book movies because we'd all read the Marvel comics and the DC comics when we were kids. It was in our imagination is what I'm trying to say. We got to, if you don't implant, if you don't implant that level of imagination yep. with kids, when you have them right in front of you on a, on a computer screen, you're not going to get them when they're 30 and somebody's sitting there saying, oh, it's all fake. Who cares? We got to indoctrinate them when they're young, Billy. We got to get them when they're, you know, when they're malleable. <laughs> Anyways, hey, before um, before we let you go, you guys, uh, we're going to do a last round here uh, yeah. uh, questions. Go ahead. Um, I listened to your interview with Alex Jones, and you spoke about making this uh, documentary that was possibly going to be a series where you toured America with a veteran and a wrestler. I was wondering what's going on with that and who, what, uh, what wrestler you went on tour with and how that whole experience was. Um, yeah, it was actually at the beginning of 2016 that I toured around the country in an RV with a wrestler, uh, Josephus, who's out of Nashville. And, uh, and a vet buddy of mine who'd been in Iraq for a couple tours. Um, we ended up not making that documentary, but then me and Dave Lagana from the NWA, we made a documentary at the beginning of this year called 30 Days, where we, we did the same thing. We toured around in an RV and documented our journey. So, um, yeah, but we didn't make the other documentary, unfortunately. Uh, my last question to you would be, at what point did you decide that you were going to get into the wrestling business fully and completely? Um, well, I actually, I tried to get involved in, in TNA business probably around 2005, 2006. I actually pitched them on some ideas I had. Um, I talked to Kevin Sullivan about some things that I wanted to try and got absolutely nowhere. And TV producer Kevin kind of Sullivan, a, right? Not, not the Prince of Darkness, Kevin Sullivan. Yeah. The Kevin Sullivan producer, yeah. uh, who's a very talented guy. Um, Actually, I would have worked with the other Kevin Sullivan in a heartbeat. Um, that would be a good fit. Anyway, so so I, you know, basically looking back now, I think TNA's flirtations with me back in the day were strictly to keep me on the line if they ever needed any money. Um, they they would sort of play footsie with me about coming in the company, and then of course they eventually did hire me uh, to be involved in the company. And now, of course, looking back now, I realize they brought me in the company to with the hopes that I would invest, which obviously ended up happening. So somewhere in that in that mixture of, of being involved with TNA through the years, it, became, it dawned on me that I could be in the business. You talked earlier about telling good stories and trying to tell the best story and the most compelling match. Other than Tim, Tim Storm, of the people who are out there that you think might be a bit available to you, who are you dying to tell the story with or about? Well, the names that are available on the free market not, right now are, are Sandow, um, Ryback, um, uh, Swagger. 
I mean, I, any of those guys will look pretty good in an NWA ring. So I would hope to work with them. And, and you know, look, um, you know, there's there's uh, people being released out of, out of uh, impact as we speak. I mean, that was some headlines yesterday. So we'll see. You know, not, NWA won't be the right fit for everybody because it's not that traditional 52 weeks a year of television at this point. Um, you know, and some of the talents that I've talked to, that's sort of their concern. Like, if you take me off the of national television, sort of what does that do to to my profile? Well, since they saw what we've been doing with Tin Storm, now the phone started ringing again. A lot of those people called us back because they want that same sort of type of treatment. They, they see the, the personal care and attention to detail that we're putting into the 10 Pounds of Gold documentary, and they're starting to wonder if that maybe this, that's a better fit for them than, than the traditional schedule. And we, we assume James Ellsworth is on your radar as well. Is that a joke? Or? No, he just got released today. Oh, wow, I didn't know that. Wow. <laughs> He'd have a great story to tell. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> hey, listen, I'll, I, I've often talked to, you know, good old JR about this because, you know, he, you know, he was a talent coordinator for many years. You know, he was the guy who cut the checks and all that stuff. And, um, and it's interesting to talk to somebody like JR about these ideas, but my general philosophy is if you have talent, I don't care what you look like. Mm-hmm. Amen. You know what I mean? And I always go back to to a guy like Jerry Blackwell or Adrian Adonis. Those guys could work, man. Those a- guys were incredible. Adrian Adonis and Roddy Piper were the best match on WrestleMania three. Without it, everyone says Ricky Steamboat and uh, and Randy Savage. You go back and watch uh, uh, Adrian and, and Roddy just kill it out there. I mean, they had the people. I mean, that was the, that was the best match of the show, if you ask me. So even, I don't know. even you know. You know Piper, who I love. I mean, you don't think of Piper as being a bodybuilder, you know? Right. Didn't have didn't have the best, you know. Didn't have the best, you know. He he didn't walk through the door and you know look like a a giant killer. But but, one of the best promos ever. One of the greatest characters ever. One of the most charismatic performers ever. Yeah, for sure. Billy, uh, I uh, my last thing. My thing is just at talent. You send me talent. I'm I'm all for it. If you're talented, that's why I like somebody like Spud. I'm sorry that the the WWE grabbed him. I would have grabbed Spud in a second. That guy is talented, yeah. you know. So give me talent. I know what to do with it. Give me yeah. no talent. I don't. What am I supposed to do? You know. Yeah. Hey Billy, uh, we're gonna let you go. Do you want to ask one more thing, well, Jimbo? I just go ahead. I want to know who who parties harder, rock stars or wrestlers? <laughs> wrestlers. <laughs> yeah, probably right. Yeah. <laughs> Billy, you know, um, I'm going to let you go, but I, I just wanted to uh, mention this to you uh, because uh, a f- several years back, well, it's not been several years, but more than a few years ago now, uh, you took me aside and, and I was was telling you about, uh, about my issues with my children and how I was estranged from them and things are so much better with my kids now. And you, 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 uh, you talked to me about that and... Uh, uh, about your relationship with, with your father, and it really put a lot of things in perspective to me. And, and uh, between that conversation I had back then and, and one I had a couple, of, probably a year or so ago with, with Paul Heyman, uh, those conversations really, really helped me uh, uh, with my relationship with my son. And I want to thank you so much for that. Hey, I, I'm, I'm blessed to know you, Sean. You're one of my favorite people. and. You know, I wish you nothing but the best. I'm always there for you, buddy. You're, 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 you're. I don't know. You're just a great man. I just love you to death. Thank you, Billy. Um, thank you so much. I'm, I'm really uh, not me. We are, uh, are honored to have you on the show today and to, to give us some of your time because, dude, 
I know how busy you are, man. And uh, like I like like I said just now, thank you so much for giving us some of your time today, Billy. Thank you, Sean. It was great talking to you guys. Hey, it was a lot of fun. Thanks. Hey, anything you want to plug real quick? No, just to, if anybody's interested in what we've been talking about, just subscribe to the NWA YouTube channel and follow us on social media. We're, I think we're just at NWA. Mm-hmm. Cool. And, uh, and follow along. we got a lot of stuff coming, and it'll be, like, it'll be a journey like no other. I can promise you that. Thank you so much, Billy. William Patrick Corgan, everyone. Yeah. Have an awesome day. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. All right. Commercial or just go into the... Oh, office. we did. Yeah, let's... Let's go. I think we should just take it home, don't you? Yep. So, uh, real quick... <laughs> Give me the Iggy. Real the quick. Hey, dude, let's do the whole thing to wrap up here. <laughs> Sean's going to be headed to Australia uh, the 24th to the 27th. Uh, Melbourne on Friday the 24th. Adelaide Saturday the 25th. Bisbane Sunday the 26th. And Sydney Monday the 27th. Yeah. Come see him in the land of Down Under. What you got going on, Denise? Uh, you guys can check me out on Twitter and on Instagram at underscore Denise Salcedo and also on YouTube. Just search Denise Salcedo. What do you got going on, William? Check out uprocks.com <laughs> with spandex.com. Uprocks.com slash pro wrestling. If you would like a companion piece to today's uh, Xbox 12360 podcast, you can check out today's McMahon Splaining with Spandex podcast where we have NWA Vice President Dave Lagana on for an, another amazing hour of uh, conversation about what's happening with that company and very little overlap with this discussion. Nice. That's always good, TK. What's up? Uh, you can follow us on AfterBuzz at AfterBuzz TV. You can follow us on Twitter, The Real Xbox, IG, Xbox12360, and also on Facebook. Don't forget to, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter. Um, also, uh, you can follow me on everything at TK Trinidad. And also, Thanksgiving is coming up. So if you do want to donate or you want to help homeless people or any of that good stuff, I'll be doing all of that. You can follow me on Instagram to find out places you can go. That's great. I, I love that you are, are uh, really into all that stuff. Have that, to. That's cool. Yeah. Awesome. Hey, uh, thank you so much, everyone, for, uh, for tuning in this week. And we'll see you right here next week on X-Pac 12360. Yeah. We would like to thank you for tuning in. Like us on Facebook, rate and comment on iTunes and YouTube. Follow X-Pac on Twitter at TheRealXPac and email us at xpoc12360show at gmail.com. This has been a presentation of the AfterBuzz TV Network. Buzz you later!